You know what? 2020 is done and 2021 is here. And it's probably never a time we've been more happy to see a year finish and a new year start. But with new years always come this, new dreams and new plans. Matter of fact, you look back a year ago in 2020, Moraine Valley was celebrating their 75th anniversary on the third Sunday of January. And we had big plans. Uh, we have actually literally have been planning for a couple of years. And we had a five-year plan laid out in dreams that we were going to share around Easter time. But guess what? COVID came. And COVID came hard and long and it blew all those plans out of the water like an atomic bomb was dropped on them. And there's people personally, myself, you personally, that where your personal plans and dreams were affected this year, and, and it was again like a bomb was just dropped on your life, either through COVID or even everyday life has got the ability to do that to us, not just COVID. And so what I want to do today is I want to share with you the lessons that God taught me in 2020 so that as we start 2021, we can hopefully start as a wiser people and maybe as we, we jumpstart this, it, it just be something that will just make our lives wiser and better. God had been teaching me this lesson all year long last year. He used the whole year to prepare me for these lessons. Started with COVID-19 and, and with the uh, influx and the changes in the constant influx of everything that was touching my life and my ministry, the rhythms of life, the plans, you know, the, the, the dreams, everything just kind of got all thrown out of the water and so was in constant flux in my own heart. You add to that the loss of two very close friends at the start of last year. First of all, Dr. Mark Gurnell and then Pastor Bill Mills. Both these guys were very close friends of mine. We constantly communicated with one another and really at deep intimate levels about our lives. And so it was like two very close friends were just pulled out of my life and it touched me like I've never been touched before in that sense. And so here I was through this year with all this and then all of a sudden November 10th came. And on November 10th, I woke up that morning excited to go to probably the biggest board meeting we were going to have of the whole year. Because all the plans, the five-year plan that was blown out of the water uh, because of COVID-19, well, we regrouped and now we had some new plans. We were going to bring it to both boards and the staff and unveil the new directions we're going to take because of what happened out of COVID-19. So I was excited for that meeting that night. Looking forward to it as I felt like it was kind of time to just launch finally. what got kind of blown out for a while. And it was, I think, uh, three o'clock in the afternoon, just four hours before the meeting. I just got done with a Zoom call and I had a mini stroke. 
And the next thing you know, I found myself in the hospital. Didn't make it to that meeting that night. In fact, all the plans that I had for the rest of that day and for the rest of the week, plans that I had either in my calendar or in my heart were all taken and blown out because now I was on a new schedule that I didn't plan, a new plan where they were actually scheduling me for test after test after test because they said, Pat, we're concerned you're going to have a major stroke and we, we got to get on this right away. So you can imagine how I felt about that. <laughs> not only were my plans put away, but as I'm, and I'm not trying to over-dramatize this, but this is the reality of where you are at times like this, because by God's grace, I came out clean. But um, I'm laying on the bed there before these tests going on. I'm thinking about my future, not just the play. I'm thinking about the time with my wife, my kids, the church, the new plans. <laughs> that were gonna be revealed, that were revealed to the board the night before, that I'm going, I don't even know if I can be a part of this. Lord, I, I don't even know if I'm gonna have a major stroke and be dead by tomorrow. You know, so I, I'm laying on the, on the, you know, the bed, my heart, everything has been kind of like up in the air for me. And by God's grace, I came out clean, the test came good. They said, Pat, you gotta keep an eye on your physical health and your stress levels. And so I left there and uh, saying, this is, these are some of the things I, I need to give attention to. On Saturday morning, I got released on Thursday. So you get home Thursday afternoon, you're settled in Friday. Uh, Saturday morning, I get a text from Linda Schmidt that Jeff Schmidt had died the night before. And I, um, Jeff has been a long time friend. <laughs> I think I was single when I first met Jeff. I mean, I, I known Jeff for a long time, a good friend. And I was like, wow. And I thought, you know, I need to go on the computer, send an email to the leadership because Jeff is one of our deacons at this time. I want to send it to our staff and our leaders to let them know that Jeff went to be with the Lord last night. And I opened up. Uh, my email box and there was an email from Dan Johnson, one of the other elders. And not only did he say that Jeff died last night, but Jim Higgins died on top of it. Jim, again, another good, I just talked to him a week before on the phone. Jim called me, hey, Pat, how you doing this? Well, you know, this, I got to tell you guys, I'm going to use the figurative language of a boxer now if you box or if you enjoy boxing. But, you know, they, they kind of give you jabs. They kind of keep you off balance a little bit. They're giving you jabs throughout the, the fight, you know? And so I felt like what was happening to me all year up until November 10th were jabs kept on keeping me, my life and my plans and everything off balance. But when I went in the hospital with a mini stroke and a possible concern of a major stroke, I felt like I got hit with a power right hand, <laughs> and I was staggered. But when I opened up that email, and I read about two other guys that I knew real well died the night before, guys, it was like a hook that knocked me out. Something happened in my heart that morning as I read that email. I was just, I was blown away. I was just blown away. And I remember in the midst of that time that God spoke to me 
specifically about a verse that I want, a passage, two passages I want to take you to this morning. And God began to speak to me through this. I want to share these with you. And um, again, like I said, I'm hoping these will help you and me enter into 2021 just a bit wiser. So uh, turn to James chapter 4. That's the passage that God led me to. I'll give you a second to get there, either on your phones, um, your Bibles, whatever instrument you use to get there. I want you to see the text, because what I'm going to share with you today are not lessons that kind of Pat came up with. Uh, the lessons I'm going to share with you came out of God's Word, and that was how God spoke to me through His Word and how He's working this out in my life. And so I want you to see God's word this morning, not Pat Peglow's best ideas. So in James chapter four, if you're there, let me just read the passage to you and then I'll break it down briefly for you. Starts in verse 13 and says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You're just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance in all such boasting is evil. You know, let me just verse by verse break this down to you. And I'm going to tell you the heart of what this passage says. It starts in verse 13 with the plans. The big plans that this guy he's referring to in the text had. The big plans that Moraine Valley Church had last year in January. The plans that you and I carry into 2021 or we had in 2020. It's the big plans. And he says this. And notice he says, come now you who say. He's just talking about his plans right now. He says, he's telling her, this is what I'm going to do. Today or tomorrow we'll go to such and such a city. It seems from Illinois they're going to such and such a city. Everybody's moving to Indiana. So he's going to say, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to move to Indiana and I'm going to spend a year there. And I'm going to engage in a business and I'm going to make a profit. See, these are the big plans he had. But as verse 14 tells us what he did not know, what I did not know on November 10th in the morning when I woke up, what Moraine Valley Church didn't know last January 19th when we celebrated the 75th anniversary of the church. He says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. That's, that's an eye-opener. That's a catcher. Now, if you're just studying the Bible and life seems to be going along fine for you, that doesn't say much to you. But when your life is turned upside down by something, all of a sudden you say, yeah, <laughs> I get it. I had no idea I'd be in the hospital that Wednesday. No idea what tomorrow will be like. Instead, in verse 15, here's the wisdom and advice that he gives us in verse 15 about how we ought to live 
in how we ought to think, in how we even ought to talk about our plans. Here's God's wisdom for planning. Instead, you ought to say this, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Did you notice which came first? (laughs) Doing this or that is dependent on being alive. I remember the first time God taught me this. uh, uh, I was living in the apartment here as a custodian. I was still a single guy. Dick Palmer was the chairman of the deacon board. And I was supposed to meet Dick for breakfast uh, the next morning. After the board meeting, you know, we talked. I went on at the board at that time, but I saw him, he said, hey Pat, let's get together. And so I remember waiting across at Baker Square for Dick. And I kept on waiting and I kept on waiting and I kept on waiting and he never showed up. And I went back to the office and found out that Dick died that night. I'll tell you what, this truth came alive to me at that time. You don't even know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. We don't even know if we're going to be alive. The four brothers that I talked about Every one of them was probably in this service a year ago when we kicked off 2020. And all of them are with the Lord right now. We have no idea. We have no guarantee. We have no certainty that we're even going to be alive tomorrow. And then on top of that, he says this, if the Lord wills, you'll live. And if the Lord wills, you'll do this or that. All my plans and all the things that I have set up, there are so many things that can come into our lives and interrupt our lives and our plans that are just beyond our control. And when I try to summarize the heart of what this whole passage is saying, and before I do that, I think I was going to show you a verse. Proverbs 16, 9, let me put that up. It says this, The mind of man plans his ways. Here we are, we got our plans. But the Lord directs his steps. I love my good brother Tom Yakely's paraphrase of this as he shared it with me. He says, um, oh, I'm sorry, I was gonna show you the version in the New Living Translation. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Our plans are really in God's hands. God is the ultimate determiner of our life tomorrow. And as Tom Yakely says, he says, man plans his way, but the Lord messes them up. <laughs> and boy, we, we certainly know what that's like, don't we? We have all these plans, we got all that, and they just seem to get messed up and thrown out. I don't care if they're plans just for today, Because many people wake up in the morning and they got a list in their heart and a plan in their mind of all these things they're going to do and all of a sudden there's interruptions that come in and things that knock them off or if we're talking about plans for the next five, ten years of your life. And what this passage teaches us is this. God's will is the trump card over our plans. Did you catch it? Isn't that what this passage is telling us? God's will is the trump card over our plans. And so many of us, you know, we think my whole life is set up because I got this plan in place. Some of us think if I just think positively, everything's gonna turn out good. 
if I just have enough faith and I name it and claim it, if I just make the right choices, and you know what, to have enough faith and make the right choice and be positive are very healthy things to do and are deeply impact the quality of our life. But ultimately, our plans are determined by God's will, whether they'll happen or not the way that we hope. And so, my first takeaway in this um, experience of last year is to plan a lot more humbly than I did before. I got to plan with a new humility of recognizing, yeah, these are good plans. These are good dreams. These are great action plans. But the reality is, I don't even know if I'll be here tomorrow to be able to carry those off. So I, I walk with a new humility in the way that I plan and the way that I look at the future because I know that God's will is a trump card over my plans. I don't care if it's a church. <laughs> I don't care if it's an individual. I don't care if it's a pastor. Don't matter who you are, God's will is the trump card over our plans. But to balance scripture with scripture, uh, the next thing God did was took me to Ecclesiastes chapter nine. Turn to Ecclesiastes. Actually, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's considered a book of wisdom. And wisdom literature happens like this. They are wise men who are inspired by God and they observe life. And out of the observations that they take from life, they come back with wisdom on how to live life. That's the heart of how Proverbs operates. That's the heart of how Ecclesiastes operates. They were wise men with wise sayings as they observed life under the inspiration of God himself. And these are the takeaways that they come up with. And in Ecclesiastes, the second half of the book talks about being wise in light of the fact you're going to die. Matter of fact, chapter 7 says this. It is better to go to the house of mourning, that's to a funeral, to a wake, than to the house of feasting because man takes it to heart. Or I'm sorry, man sees his end and he takes it to heart. There's a reality that sinks in deep when death strikes us from other people and we begin to see our end and it starts, we take it to heart. And so the second half of the book is all talking about wisdom on how to live in light of the fact that we're all going to die someday. Now this is not a morbid book, by the way, and this is not a morbid sermon. This is actually wisdom on how to live in light of the fact that we all are gonna die. History books, prove it. Everybody is going to die. It's something we don't like to think about. It's something we don't face, but it's a reality that every one of us, if we're gonna be wise, we need God to teach us to number our days so that we can present to him a heart of wisdom. So in Ecclesiastes 9, I trust you're there by now. He's gonna give us some advice on how to live in light of the fact that we're gonna die. And he starts off the chapter in um, the first, really the first couple verses, the first section sounds so much like James, it's unbelievable. Listen to the first verse. 
For I've taken all of this, and when I say it sounds like James, I'll much watch for two things as I read. One, if God wills you live, if God wills you do this or that, because a prophet is not guaranteed. For this is what the wise man said, for I've taken all of this to my heart and explain it that righteous men, wise men, and their deeds, the person himself and the deeds that they do are in the hand of God. God determines our steps. Man does not know whether it will be love or hatred anything awaits him. That's his way of saying, you don't know if prosperity or adversity is gonna come your way. Just like James, we don't know. I don't know what this afternoon's gonna be like. I don't know what tomorrow's gonna be like. And here he's telling us again, just like in James, we know that our life and our deeds are in the hand of God and we have no idea what's gonna happen to us or what's coming our way whether it be in the near future or the distant future. Then he goes into verse two and he says this, it is the same for all. There is one fate for the righteous and for the wicked, for the good, for the clean, and for the unclean, for the man who offers a sacrifice and for the one who does not sacrifice. As the good man is, so is the sinner. As the swearer is, so is the one who is afraid to swear. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun that there is one fate for all men. What's that fate? That everybody dies. And then in verse six, he says this, and let me encourage young people. This is not just a passage for those of us that are getting older. But the reality is, and I can tell you, and I'm not here today to tell you about all kinds of people that died before their time. I think the four I mentioned today all died before their time and before any of us would have thought. But in verse 12, he says this, moreover, man does not know his time, doesn't know the time of our death. Like a fish caught in a treacherous net and birds trapped in a snare, so the sons of men are ensnared at an evil time when it suddenly falls on them. Guys, we don't know our time. We don't know what awaits us this afternoon or tomorrow. And then what he does here, and this is, this is what I want to really encourage us with, because at this point I'm going, wow, I'm really glad I came to church and tuned in this morning, I'm sure. <laughs> there is some good news. A lot of good news from here on out, okay? It's all good. Here's the good news. Now he gives us again advice on how we should live in light of the fact that our future is uncertain, but our death is certain. So here's the advice he gives us. Starting in verse seven, he says this. Ecclesiastes 9. Go then, eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with, cheer, with a cheerful heart for God has already approved your works. You know, guys, you gotta remember, Solomon who wrote this book, outside of Jesus, was the wisest man that ever lived. Now, I gotta tell you, these four words of advice weren't the four words of somebody. Pat, if you knew that you were gonna die and you're uncertain about the future, what would you say? 
he gives some advice that comes from God. <laughs> and so he starts with this, enjoy the simple things of life. All the way down to what you eat and what you drink. Enjoy these special gifts that God has given to us. Then he says in verse eight, he says this, let your clothes be white. Anybody notice the white shirt today? I did that because of this verse right here. And let not oil be lacking on your head. Now for your sakes, I did not put oil on my head because it would be dripping all over my face. But you know, when they put on white clothes and clean clothes and oil, that was because they were going to celebrate something. It was a festive time. They're gonna to go to a wedding. Uh, you know, they're gonna to, to go to something that's very special. And so they get on their clothes like we do. When we get on a wedding, they fix up their hair. They get everything in place because they're gonna celebrate. And you know what he's telling us here? You need to live your life like a gift from God to be celebrated. Are you doing that? My wife, Kim, she visited Max Sims. Some of you old timers might remember Max uh, when she was heading towards the grave. And I remember Max told Kim this. He said, Kim, make every day special. She said, when you spend time with the Lord or just have your, light a candle, <laughs> put on some flowers. You know, make every day a special day to be celebrated. Brothers and sisters, this is God's wisdom for you and me. Are we enjoying the simple things that God has given to us? Are we making every day a festive occasion to celebrate the special gift of life that God has given us? Then listen to this one. Enjoy life with a woman who you love all the days of your fleeting life. That means your life that's passing by swiftly. He says, enjoy life with a woman whom you love. Women, enjoy life with the man that you love. Um, your husband, your wife. All the days of your life, because it's fleeting away. And look at what he says for this is your reward in life and in your toil in which you have labored under the sun. If you're married, God has blessed you with the greatest gift of all, that's your mate. Are you enjoying life with your mate? And then the final thing is this. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom and shield where you're going because you know what? Once you die, no longer can you participate in that eating and drinking and the festive celebration of everyday life or with your mate or what your hands are finding to do. And I think of nothing more important than the way that, you know, let me ask you, did you worship Jesus this morning with all your heart as we had a chance to worship? That's everything you do. Or did you just sing songs 
because it's the song time and the service. You follow me? Whatever you do, do with all your heart. Put your whole self into it. Worshiping Jesus, walking with Jesus, going to work on Monday morning, going to school, playing with the kids. I don't care what it is. Whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Jump into it with both feet, guys. This is our only chance because once this is gone, life on earth is done. Now we know there's a life in heaven, but God's given us two great gifts. He's given us a gift of life right here on earth and he's given us a gift of life in heaven. And we need to learn to embrace it with everything we have and enjoy it and enjoy that special person that God's given us as a gift. Guys, that's God's wisdom. And that's how God has spoken to me. And let me tell you what's happened to me in the last couple months since the knockout punch of that email that morning. I really have been planning with a new humility I'm looking both at my personal life and at the church, and as plans are made in dreams, I hold them with a new hand saying, you know what, God's, God's got the trump card here. I may be able to engage in these, I may not. But guess what, until I do, I'm gonna enjoy life with everything I got. I'm gonna celebrate every day as a special gift from God. I'm gonna love my wife like I never loved before, and everything I put in my hands, so I'm gonna do with all my might. And so the first thing I recognize is, this is the way I summarize these two verses together. Plan with humility, but live life with gusto. That's what God is speaking to me. Pat, you better plan with a new humility because these things really aren't all in your hands. Yes, do plan, scripture teaches us to do that. But plan humbly, recognizing that God's will is the trump card and live life with gusto. So I, I've really taken a very hard look, like never before, at my plans, at my schedule, at my habits. And as they told me there at the hospital, you need to take a look at your physical life all the way from your eating to your exercise. And you need to take a look at your stress levels all the way to the way I handle stress at church to the way I use my free time at home. Guys, I'm taking a hard look at a lot of things. I'm giving a special emphasis to what Solomon said with these four pieces of, of advice. I'm gonna tell you a secret. I'm committed to be honest with you this morning. I really am a pretty boring guy. I might be able to tell a good story or preach a sermon. Give me a Bible verse, I can talk about it. Tell me about somebody's problem, I can engage. But just go have fun. Pray for my poor wife, she got stuck with me. I'm, I'm, and I'm her reward from God, sorry baby. But you know what, I'm learning to be a fun guy. I am, that's, I said, you know what babe, that's done. I wanna bless you a little bit and I wanna become a little bit more fun and I wanna have more fun and I wanna, I wanna enjoy life. And Kim and I really have been seeking to do things together in a new way and I'm taking initiative to find new things to try out that maybe I'll find something that really connects with me and, and um, do it. So we're, we're trying some new things. I want to enjoy life even more. And fourthly, I got a special emphasis on the greatest gift God has given me. That's, uh, I call her KJ. 
Um, many of you know her as Baby Girl. Um, that's my wife, Kimberly. And I really have given serious attention to making sure with the days that God has given me on earth that we make this, we celebrate the special gift that God has given me like nothing else. I want her to be blessed. I want to enjoy this thing. I want to enjoy life with her. Now, I'm not a spring chicken. They say you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Isn't that what they say? Well, let me say something to some of the old dogs in this room. Some of the middle-aged dogs, young dogs too. Kim and I actually took a webinar on marriage at our age. He said, I know this. Actually, I've taught in marriage seminars before. And Kim and I recently took a webinar for married couples in the ministry. And we both walked away totally blown away. Maybe I listened with a new ear this time, and maybe she did. But there were some things we learned in there we've been practicing, and I can tell you what, God has lit the fire in my heart again for my wife. I feel like when I was dating, you know, when you're, you know, when you're married, I don't even know how many years, forgive me, baby, but it's in the 40s someplace. Um, you can straighten that up when we get home. But, uh, but you know what? I was telling her the other day, I feel like I did when I was dating you. I'm just excited to see you again. I can't wait to go see my baby. You know, when you've been married as long as we have 45, you know, they can get the little, that, that can be lost. It takes intentional maintenance to keep the fire going in your heart for your mate and to enjoy them. And I want to challenge you, especially those that are here that are married. Guys, are you learning and practicing constantly the things? I feel that once you lose your desire to learn, you've become stale. And are you constantly learning things, whether you're young, youngly married, that's probably not the proper way to say it, whether you're newly married, whether you've been married a while or whether you've been married a long time, are you working intentionally to find ways to make our marriage better? This is one of the gifts God has given us and we should be doing it with all our might every day. And so Kim and I are practicing new things. We learned in the seminar we're finding our hearts lighting up. We're finding ourselves wanting to be together more and to do things more. You know, as we start 2021, and we're going to kind of move us towards communion now and to reflect, I want you to consider a few things. From James 4, let me ask you this the way you talk about your plans. If somebody else listened to what you said or if you had the ability to get outside and listen to yourself while you talk about your plans, what does it say about your heart regarding God's will versus your plans? Remember Jesus? You know, we know God's ultimately seeking to make us more like Jesus. That's the place where we're going. Jesus said, I did not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. To be more Christ-like says, I'm more concerned about his will and his plans for my life than I am for my will and for my plans in my life. Matter of fact, when it was tested in Gethsemane, 
with his own life. He said, not my will, Father, but thine be done. So let me ask you, the way you talk about your plans, and maybe more importantly, the way you respond when your plans get interrupted, whether you woke up this morning and I had this list of things to do, and then all of a sudden this phone call came in where somebody needs me and it throws everything off. You follow me? <laughs> or whether it be your plans for the next five years where something comes in that knocks that off, or my plans for the week or whatever it is. How do you respond to that? Because the way you respond reveals your true heart on whether you love your plans and your will more than God's plans and his will. Why don't you consider that this morning? Let me tell you two other things to consider. Ecclesiastes 9. How's your joy level? Are you enjoying life? You know, there should be nobody who enjoys life more than a believer in Jesus Christ. We've got the living God living in our hearts by his spirit who fills us with his fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How are you doing with joy? There should be nobody full of more joy than us that know Jesus. And there's so many people that know Jesus that walk around constantly with their Hearts down and negative and complaining and nothing's good. I just got to encourage you this morning, if that's you, you, you need to talk to Jesus. Something's out of whack. Something's out, I'm just going to say it that way. Now, I understand there's seasons of tough times, but if this is the characteristic of your life and the way that people know you and you know yourself, you really need to say, Jesus, what's going on here? And then in light of Ecclesiastes 9, also, how well do your plans for your life line up with the advice that Solomon gives us in Ecclesiastes chapter 9? How well are your plans lining up with enjoying even the small things of life, making every day a festivity and a celebration, loving your mate like, nothing, like never before, enjoying them, and doing everything you got with all your might. How are you lining up with that? And then I want a final word for those who don't know Jesus. You really have no guarantee you'll be alive tomorrow. I can tell you the story about the guy in the military. I don't have time to do that. But uh, I remember was talking to him about Jesus as he came by my campfire. He kind of laughed, mocked me, and walked away. I had no idea, he had no idea he was going to fall off a cliff and die that night. This is what Luke 12 says. Then he said this, this is what I'll do. Here's his plans. This is what I'm going to do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And then he said to himself, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your soul is required of you. Guys, nobody knows their time. We see it again right here. Scripture says this, today is the day 
of salvation. Today is the day to settle this. There is nothing more important. They said, this, this life is a gift. But you know what? Eternal life is the greatest gift and the greatest life. And you need to settle that with Jesus if you haven't. Scripture says this, for God so loved you. I'm talking to you now. I'm not just talking about the world because you're part of the world of use. <laughs> For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to die in your place so you could have eternal life. That's how much God loves you. He wants you to be with him. And for a lot of people, we think it's a matter of being good or bad or religious or not or being a little bit more there. That's not what Jesus says. Unless you're born again, you'll never see the kingdom of God. You see, the question you need to be saying in your heart is this, not am I good enough or am I religious enough or am I moral enough, but the question is, is have I been born again? You see, everybody's been born once. Jesus says that which is the flesh is flesh. Every one of us is born into this world in flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Have you gotten new life through Jesus yet? If there's any doubt in your heart, Hear what I say. This is, it takes first of all to acknowledge to God, God, I am separated from you. My sin of running my own life, doing my own thing, and ultimately of not putting my trust in Jesus for that new life, Lord, has got me separated from you. I'm like that dead person. He can't partake. There's no activity. There's nothing with God because I'm, I don't have that new life. So when we come and acknowledge that I'm separated from God, my sin and my deadness spiritually, because I've never been born again. But then once we acknowledge that, we got to recognize that Jesus Christ died to pay for my sin. He took my death upon himself. The penalty of sin is death. And he took that death upon himself and he paid the price for my sins. Then he was buried for three days and he rose again because he wanted to give me his new life. He didn't only die for me, he lives for me. And what happened is, is when he rose from the grave, he brings the new eternal life that, that he speaks about that we must be born again. And he ascended into heaven and, and he sends the Holy Spirit. And what he does is this, when you turn to Jesus, he takes out that old dead heart that wants to live its own life in its own way. He removes it from us and he puts in us a brand new heart with new capacities, new desires, new loves, new wants. And those loves and wants and desires are to walk with God the way he wants me to walk. It's not like I have to get better first to get to Jesus, no, I gotta get life first. It's like saying, well, I gotta get better before I see the doctor. No, you go see the doctor to get better. Jesus is the spiritual doctor. And when I turn to him in faith, say, Lord, I'm no longer trusting myself, but I'm putting all my trust in you and what you did for me. At that moment, God's promise is he will cause the life of Jesus to come into that new heart in you and now you'll have eternal life. Now you'll see the kingdom of God because you'll be born again. Today is the day 
of salvation. Don't put it off. That's the most important takeaway. If you don't know Jesus today, today has got to be the day you settle this thing. And I want to make an offer to you. If you're out there and you say, I really don't know, or maybe you're here today and you say, I really don't know, or I, I hope so, or I think so, unless you're saying, I know, you really need to solve this because when the Spirit of God comes in your life, the Bible says the Spirit says to my spirit that I'm a son of God. You see, there's a constant radar bing going to my heart saying I am God's child. It doesn't, I, I think, I hope, hope, whatever. No, I know. And if you're here today and you don't know for sure, there's a number that's being put on the screen right now uh, that I want to encourage you to text Jesus along with the best way to contact because I will personally respond to you and talk to you about your relationship. Would you? I'll set up a meeting. If you're in Arizona, you know what? We'll set up a Zoom meeting. If you're a woman, I don't want you to feel weird about I'm in this thing. My husband, I'm with this other guy. I'm either going to have Ava or my wife that'll be with me in the either personal or Zoom meetings. But you know what? I want you to know. I want you to have that new life. Brothers and sisters, we don't know what tomorrow's like. But we learn today this, that my life and my deeds are ultimately in God's hands. So we need to plan humbly, but we need to live with gusto. And the most gusto you can have is when Jesus is in your life. Love you guys. Wanted to share my heart. Like I said, today was a little bit different. These are things God is just pushing on my heart. Wanted to share them with you today. Uh, let me close in prayer. And by the way, let me say this. If you don't know Jesus, you can turn to him right now. You don't have to wait till a phone call with Pat, by the way. <laughs> or a Zoom call or a personal call. What you need to do is acknowledge your sinfulness. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Acknowledge your sinfulness before him. Cry out to him and say, Lord, I need to be saved. I recognize I don't know you. I need to be born again. Lord, I'm putting my trust in you right now. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me new life. When you do that in your heart of hearts and mean it, you will get that new life. So I encourage you, don't wait for Pat. <laughs> Do that today with Jesus. So Lord, I want to come before you right now. Thank you for giving me the privilege of sharing this, Lord. Like, Lord, I'm, I almost have a sense. I have no idea whether I'll be here next week to preach. Uh, I, I'm planning on it. I'm assuming I will, but it's in your hands. So Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege I had this morning to share my heart from your word to my brothers and sisters. Lord, I just ask you, would your Holy Spirit speak to people's hearts deeply? Would we be a people who plan with humility, but live life with gusto? It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.